This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I'm News Nation border correspondent Allie Bradley. You've seen the headlines about what's happening at the southern border, but there's so much more that I don't get to share with you during our newscasts. Here is where I'll dive deeper, show you all sides of a topic that's become a political football. This is Bradley on the Border. The cartel is breaching our border in some way every single day. That is what Texas DPS is saying. And that includes by wrangling easy targets to move deadly drugs like fentanyl across our southern border. Those easy targets, though, might not be who you think they are. So it might be someone that you know. It might be a neighbor. It might be a young man with a debt to pay or maybe a mom who's addicted to drugs. Maybe they're living in a small town in Montana or another state in middle America. But these are actually the people who are becoming drug mules for the cartels at our southern border. And they're doing it all without a middleman. Here's Brian Lockerbie, who is actually uh, the director of criminal investigations in Montana. Here's what he has to say about these drug mules and how it has really shifted. The tactics have changed. Take a listen. The, the, the thing that we're finding unique now is what has changed from the traditional method of bringing drugs up is um, somebody locally in, in a community in Montana will either be recruited or have a drug debt of some kind that they need to pay off. And now what they end up doing is they drive themselves down to the border, drive across the border, meet up with a cartel member of some kind. They obtain 5, 10, 15 pounds of not only meth, but also fentanyl, maybe some cocaine, poly drug, and then they smuggle that back across the border. Um, the majority of these people may have a minor criminal record, uh, no heavy felony offenses, so they're not really flat at the border, nothing unusual pops up. So it's easy for them to get across just because of the volume of people that are crossing already. It, it is a whole mix of people that we find that are involved in the, in the drug trade. I, I know there was an incident that we had in eastern Montana. Where it was a, uh, a couple in their 70s in a Winnebago RV uh, that had 600 pounds of marijuana. Uh, and they were transporting it. And then, of course, you've got the younger people who, who are uh, doing this as well. So we really can't say this is this is the profile of a mule over a drug dealer uh, because it's just across the spectrum. From our investigations and from the arrests that we have made and the drugs that we have seized in our state, at least in the past five to six years, um, everybody involved in this has been crossing the border legally. It's not been a migrant uh, with a backpack full of drugs meeting somebody on the other side. Um, the, these are people who successfully smuggled illegal drugs across a port of entry that was monitored and were able to bring drugs through that went through undetected. Now, these recruited mules or smugglers, they generally don't have criminal records. And immigration authorities say that nearly all of the fentanyl that is being smuggled into the country is actually being done by people who are legally authorized to cross the border. 
So maybe they have a pass that they can cross back and forth really easily. But the majority of them are U.S. citizens. That's something that is shocking to a lot of people. And the majority of human smugglers, those are also U.S. citizens. It's a very small percentage of people who are not from this country who are actually committing these crimes. These days, it's not easy to target or track those people who are actually smuggling the drugs across because there isn't really a stereotypical smuggler anymore. And that's exactly how the cartels like it. Here's what Stephanie Hepford, an assistant U.S. attorney in Tucson, had to say about the stereotypical smuggler and how that isn't really a thing. Uh, It's been just a huge variety of people. I've prosecuted um, dozens of these cases over the years. And um, there's, like I was saying yesterday, there's just no way to really set a type of uh, person who's who's going to smuggle drugs across the border, uh, at least through the ports of entry. Um, These are typically people who have some sort of legal authorization to be able to cross into the United States. Um, But beyond that, there's not a lot of commonality across across them. Um, I've seen 70-year-old man with a cane. I've seen a 20-year-old girl uh, in her car. So it's difficult to actually say, you know, there's one type. It's going to be whoever is most likely to be successful that day. Which I think is a huge piece of the story, right, is it can be, you know, we see 12-year-old smugglers down in Cochise County driving load vehicles, and then we see 72-year-olds doing the same. So it, it doesn't really have a face, right? There isn't really one type of person who's doing this. But as you mentioned, let's go into the legal side of this a little bit, because for the most part, these people do cross frequently. They might have that what is it, CERTA or whatever, they're able to go back and forth very freely. Um, And it's the ones who don't have that authorization that might have a harder time getting through and that might not be as prone to smuggling. Am I correct in saying that? I don't know if I feel comfortable generalizing that much. Um, I think you're talking about the century pass. Is that the, yeah. Um, You know, certainly I think there's people that, maybe utilize that uh and maybe a you know a drug smuggling coordinator in mexico finds out that somebody has a century pass and that becomes an attractive candidate to use as a courier um but that's not necessarily you know sometimes these are the the people that are caught with the drugs um at the border at the ports um sometimes it's their first time crossing sometimes they've crossed many times And from what I've read, a lot of times when it is their first time crossing, that's kind of a red flag on its own because they aren't frequenting Mexico. What was the reason you're going over there, right? They have all of these different things that might flag when they're crossing back. And that's license plate readers. All different things play a role here. But what are you you brought up the smugglers on the other side, the 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 criminal organizations on the Mexico side that might try to capitalize off of someone's misfortune or off of someone's ability to cross freely into the U.S. What are the people that you've um, been involved with? What are they saying is the reason why they got involved in smuggling in the first place? Um, I think there's often uh, the theme of, well, I just I just needed to make a quick buck. I was told, you know, I'd make a thousand dollars for crossing this load of drugs. Um, 
And, you know, one of my cases, I remember seeing text messages between the courier and her brother, and she was bragging about, you know, man, I'm going to make bank, uh, you know, bring loads of pills across the the border. So um, I think the uh, financial incentive is a huge thing. What can be done to help that situation? I mean, we're not going to be able to go around and just distribute a bunch of money, right? So how does this uptick in an issue? Because it has been going on for 40 years. Some, you know, we we know that drugs have been coming across our border, but fentanyl has been kind of new to the scene as of 2019. We didn't really see it or actually count it coming across. Um, so with that said, what can be done to kind of tamp down on this, to get some of these drug carriers off of the street or or what what do you think is a solution? That's uh that's not a simple question. <laughs> um it is a very complicated issue. There are so many parts to it. I mean, certainly the financial incentive that we talked about. But, you know, it's incredibly easy to obtain obtain the the chemicals that are used to um, to make fentanyl, um, to make fentanyl pills. It's not an expensive process to to get started. Um, and these chemicals are pretty readily available, um, online from Chinese companies. And so, you know, if they, if they aren't regulated, if they aren't, you know, caught before they get to somebody who is going to make these pills, then, you know, a, a kilogram of fentanyl, uh, half a kilogram of xylazine or acetaminophen or something like that get a cheap pill press and and you're in business and you're you've got endless production potential and so there's this production going on south of the border primarily and it's just flooding through um flooding into our country and on the other side you know unfortunately we have a population that I think um, there's an enormous addiction problem. And so, you know, there's a demand for it, sadly. And it becomes, you know, a double, double-edged sword. I mean, you can't, you can't necessarily stop one side of it without also addressing the other side of it. And somebody like me can't prosecute us out of the problem either, unfortunately. Do you think that there needs to be harsher consequences for these drug smugglers? I mean, Governor Abbott was trying to say, you know, people are going to spend 10 years in prison if they are caught smuggling anything into the country. I mean, what what would you say should the country be doing in response? Is is what's happening enough or do the punishments need to be stricter when it comes to drug smuggling into the country? You know, I think... Again, that's that's a tough question. So certainly, if if low sentences are being handed out to to these couriers who are bringing, you know, deadly drugs into the country, if those low sentences become a selling point to the cartel when they're recruiting more couriers, saying, you know, hey, you're going to make a thousand bucks if you run this load. Uh, in your car through the port, um, that's attractive. And then if they can further say, 
look, even if you get caught, if this, if you don't have any criminal history, if you don't have any other arrests or any other issues through, with the legal system, I mean, you're not going to get, you're not going to get hammered. You're going to spend a little bit of time in jail, maybe. Maybe you'll get probation. You know, if that becomes a selling point, then yes, sentences definitely need to be tougher. And I think that, you know, couriers are a very small piece of a very big organizational machine with the cartels. So certainly they're not the only piece. Should they get as high a sentence as, you know, the the head of the cartel who is organizing this whole business? No, absolutely not. But they are an essential piece of that business. And I think that sentences need to reflect both the deadly nature of, of the substance that they're smuggling. And I think that um, there needs to be uh, deterrence addressed through the sentencing so that they are not, it's not an attractive job to take to make a quick thousand dollars. Now, it's also hard to track because a majority of the drugs that are coming through are coming through legal border crossings. Customs and Border Protection statistics are showing that 89% of the fentanyl that is being seized happens at the ports of entry. Now, it's important to note here, you're going to get more drugs seized where there are more resources. So at the ports of entry, you have OFO officers, you have canines, you have x-ray machines, you have CBP, you have ag detection, you have all of these different resources down at the ports of entry. But the technology isn't always enough. There's definite advantages on both ends. Certainly, if you don't have growing seasons and, you know, farming practices that you have to deal with, uh, with an agricultural drug like marijuana, that's that's a huge, huge advantage. If you can cheaply set up, you know, a vat of drugs and a pill press out in a mountain cabin somewhere and then ship the stuff to the U.S., easy peasy, right? So there's definite advantages on on that end of things. And then, yeah, on, unfortunately, <laughs> on this end of things, you know, there's no, you don't open up a car and immediately smell fentanyl pills like you do with a bale of marijuana. Uh, it, it, is, it is more concealable in, in a lot of ways. And you would be amazed at all of the places in a car that you can stash drugs, whether it's pills or some sort of powder form. So Stephanie said it's more dangerous, yes, and it's also easier. Here's why. It's because the type of drug being smuggled across is much easier to get across. According to the DEA, just a small amount, we're talking about only two milligrams ingested of fentanyl can be deadly. Those pills can be transported, as you might imagine, much easier in a baggie versus trying to truck over a brick of cocaine or a bundle of marijuana. Here's Lieutenant Chris Oliveras with Texas Department of Public Safety on how the Mexican drug cartel operates as a business. They know some of their drugs are going to be seized at these ports of entry. So we know that, you know, majority of fentanyl is being seized at the ports of entry. But as you mentioned, when you have, you know, manpower, infrastructure, technology such as canines and x-rays at the ports of entry, you're going to seize, you're going to detect and seize more drugs as they're coming across the ports of entry. The Mexican drug cartels are well aware of that. They know at some point they're going to lose some of their product, whether whether it gets seized at a port of entry. 
But that should really put in perspective how much drugs are actually getting by us through the ports of entry and also between the ports of entry. There really is no metrics to put in place to determine how many, how much drugs are actually being seized or actually how much drugs are actually going through the ports of entry. When you see these millions of pills that are being seized at the ports of entry, that, that tells you one thing, that the cartels are actually mass producing more fentanyl, more drugs than ever before. And they're able to get that product through the ports of entry and also at, between the ports of entry. What we have been able to do, the drugs that we seize at the state level, these are drugs that have made it past ports of entry, whether at the ports or between the ports. These are drugs that are being that are being uh, smuggled in vehicles or commercial vehicles. And when you look at the amount of fentanyl that we've been able to seize for the past two years, over 422 million lethal doses, this is fentanyl that, that has made it past ports of entry or between the ports of entry and also over 19 tons of methamphetamine. These are illicit drugs that are coming across the border as I mentioned, either between the ports of entry or at the ports of entry, they've been able to get through checkpoints. And these are drugs that are trying to make it further into the interior or other parts of the country. And the only way we're able to seize these drugs is by actually stopping cars, searching cars. And that's how we're able to find these drugs and seize them off the streets. The U.S. continues to try and tackle the massive influx of drugs that are pouring into the country. Sometimes it feels like an uphill battle, right? While the Texas Department of Public Safety, DPS, they've seized more than 422 million lethal doses of fentanyl over the last two years. Border Patrol agents in Tucson just picked up seven undocumented individuals that were carrying fentanyl pills. Agents have seized more than 2,700 pounds of fentanyl. This is happening between the ports of entry. Now, what else does that mean? That means that those drugs have made it past multiple layers of enforcement. They made it past all that technology, all the dogs, the x-ray machines, right? These drugs are being found either at checkpoints or during traffic stops or out in the middle of fields in backpacks that have been abandoned. Fentanyl drug busts are happening in Louisiana, Phoenix, and Washington State, where hundreds of thousands of pills were discovered in the interior of the United States. And so-called old drugs are making a resurgence. This is really interesting here because cocaine and methamphetamine are showing up on scene once again in really large quantities. Here's what Lockerbie has to say about why that might be happening, and what might happen next. Over the last year and a half, we've seen a significant uptick in cocaine. And I'm talking almost 100% pure cocaine. The old days of this uh, adulterated cocaine that would have limited purity meant it passed through multiple hands before it got to you in Montana. The cocaine we're finding now in our state is pure. It still has the markings of the cartel distribution network on it. So we know it's coming straight from them. Uh, they're interdicting a lot of drugs at the border, but I'm going to guess that's a 10% success rate. So 90% of the drugs are getting through. I mean, we only catch what we find, right? So after that, um, we don't know what's getting out there, but clearly based on the quantities that we're seizing, the drop in drug prices, uh, we've overused the word flooded the market, but the, the market is flooded. I mean, it's the drugs have gotten so cheap and so easy to get that when you you can drive directly from Montana and meet a cartel member on the other side of the border. You could not have done that 10 years ago. And now they're, they're doing a hand to hand. People use the talk about the drug war. Wars have an end. Um, I think if we call it a battle, it, it's more realistic. Right now, this number is pretty shocking because a lot of people hear it. They think a lot more cars are being screened when they go through these ports of entry. Get this, only 2% of passenger vehicles and 17% of cargo vehicles are being screened at the ports of entry. 
You think that's a problem? So does the administration. President Biden's calling for $535 million in CBP funding in next year's budget. More than $300 million of that would go toward new x-ray scanners that would help increase the inspection capacity and hopefully get more drugs off of the streets and out of the hands of Americans. Again, Americans aren't dying off interdicted drugs, right? So these drugs are making it into the country in one way, shape, or form. And we're seeing it manifest and we're seeing it claim the lives of hundreds of thousands of people. So when it comes to the drugs being interdicted, it is all hands on deck. Many sheriff's departments are involved. Many local entities are involved to keep fentanyl off of the streets. To see what I'm up to next, make sure you tune in to News Nation. Don't know where to watch us? Go to www.joinnn.com. Enter your zip code and the channel finder will show you the broadcast channel to find us on. Don't forget, though, we are also on all the streamers, Hulu, Roku, YouTube TV, as well as Amazon Alexa and Apple CarPlay. If you have a story you think I need to know about, it needs extra coverage, shoot me a note at abradley@newsnationnow.com. Catch you next time. This is News Nation's Allie Bradley. You've been listening to Bradley on the Border.